Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. 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 We want to thank God for this beautiful morning. Thank you so much, Dr. David and your wife, for having me here. It's a big risk for a preacher to introduce a preacher that you've never heard speak but uh, one of the beautiful things that if you're kingdom-minded, the Spirit of the Lord will always connect you to the people who are kingdom-minded. Amen. Amen. And as we pray for this nation, this great nation of America, some of you need to understand that the devil already knows the redemptive purpose of this country. But most Christians don't know. This is a great nation. I don't think there is any other nation in the world that has sent missionaries to the world like this nation. And so when the enemy is attacking this nation, he's looking at the redemptive purpose of America. And so he does whatever he does to try and sabotage that. But if you and I continue to pray, you know what is going to happen the kingdom of God is going to be established. And the Bible says, and of that kingdom there shall be no end. Amen? Amen. So I encourage you to go and vote. Someone said that bad people are elected by good people who don't vote. So don't think that your vote is not counting. It counts and make sure when you go to vote, vote for the values of the kingdom. Regardless of what your great-great-grandfathers voted for, vote for the values of the kingdom. Say amen. amen. Now let's forget about that. Now let's come back to <laughs> Amen. I want to appreciate uh, my hosts, uh, uh, Martha and Ben. Please stand up. I've been staying with these guys for a few weeks, and uh, because of them, now some of my clothes don't fit anymore. <laughs> they have to explain to my wife when I go back to Uganda. I want to appreciate uh, Alice, uh, uh, Melody, and uh, some of my friends who came here. Please stand up. And some other guys back there, praise the Lord, wonderful. God bless you, thank you for joining us. Amen. Uh, before we go into the word, I would like to share with you a little bit about myself and uh, to tell you how my journey with Christ began. In 1991, I was a young DJ trying to learn to be a DJ. In those days, we had uh, these compact cassettes. You remember them? Yes, so uh, you could put in a pen and look for a song. So this, this DJ who was training me tells me, you know what, there is this guy that brought the biggest sound system you've ever seen. So we need to go and check out this sound. So me and my mentor went to this big stadium to check out the sound system. When we reached there, 
It was not a gig like I thought it was. It was a crusade. <laughs> and so, as we were listening to the word, the preacher was called T.L. Osborne, a great man of God from this country. I forgot all about the sound system we had gone to check out, and my eyes paid attention to what was happening on stage. I was probably maybe a hundred meters away, and everything that was happening, I kept on drawing closer to the stage. And I was maybe four meters away. And I see this man performing miracles with my own eyes. I saw people come out of wheelchairs. I saw people drop their walking sticks and, and walk. Blind eyes open. I looked for this DJ friend of mine. I told him, this is better than being a DJ. This is what we need to go and start doing. <laughs> and uh, when they asked people to give their lives to Christ, my hand was already up. I went back that night. It was late, but I had seen it happen. I believed it could happen. I started looking for the sick. That night, I knocked everyone in our house. Is anyone sick here? I need to lay hands on you. There was no one sick in our house. So the next morning, I went to the neighborhood. Is there anyone sick here that needs a miracle? And I spent hours looking for the sick. After almost six hours of looking for the sick, I found two. One of them was a baby. She was one and a half years old. She was being taken to India because she had a hole in her heart. And the medical facilities in Uganda up to now, they're not good. So they had to raise funds to take her to India. I told the mother, Jesus is going to heal your daughter. I had seen it with my eyes. So I tell her, bring, bring, bring your daughter to our house. She brings her. Then the other guy, because, you know, I was looking for the sick and they were nowhere to be found. So I said, I'm taking this one also. He, he had a problem. He could not contain his urine. I took him to our house, and I laid hands. When I laid hands, that's when I remembered I didn't learn the prayer. I said, oh, oh, I'm in trouble. I know he laid hands, but I also know he prayed. Now, I don't know what he prayed. So what do I do? Very quickly, I remembered when, he, when we got saved, they gave us booklets. And I was coming from an Anglican background. All our prayers were in books. So I said, surely, these booklets that they gave us, there must be some kind of prayer. And I looked, and good enough, <laughs> there was a prayer in one of the booklets. I said, this is it. <laughs> so I laid hands, and I'm reading this prayer from the booklet. Dear Lord, I pray for the person who will be reading this book, that it will bless them, <laughs> encourage them, 
Inspire them in the name of Jesus. Amen. He told the mother, your daughter is healed. You may as well go to the doctors and verify the miracle. I lay hands on this other guy who had issues, could not contain his urine, he had to have on diapers. Dear Lord, I pray for the person who will be reading this book, that it will bless them, encourage them, inspire them in the name of Jesus. Amen. I told him, you are healed as well. <laughs> I was about to send him away. I said, no, you don't need to go to the doctors. You're spending the night here. <laughs> I asked the people in the house, give him as much to drink as possible. We have to prove that Jesus is working. And so they gave him so much to drink. And he did not go to the bathroom even once. And he did not wet his bed. Jesus had touched him and healed him. Come on, shout amen. The next morning, the next morning, his father, who I did not know, was a very big man and he had tried everything. He had taken him to every specialist. When they told him that your son is healed, he knew all kinds of people that needed a miracle. He brought them to our house. I laid hands, and of course, you know the prayer I'm praying for them. <laughs> Dear Lord, I pray for the person who will be reading this book that it will bless them, encourage them, inspire them in Jesus' name. And miracles were happening. Everyone that got healed went and brought another one. Everyone that Jesus touched went and told the story and brought another one. Before I knew it, every time I woke up in the morning, people were lining up waiting for prayer. And all this time, the only prayer I know to pray, dear Lord, I pray for the person who will be reading this book that it will bless them, encourage them, Inspire them in the name of the Lord. <laughs> People got healed. Now remember, all it took was for me to go and see it happen, believed it, and I started seeing it ha happen there and then. Then when the numbers became so big, I said, you know what, I cannot do this alone. I need to find other believers to help me do this. Now all this time I have not gone to any church. Then I went after two weeks to this church that did not believe in miracles. And the preacher was saying, if you're doing anything that God never told you to do, you will go to hell. Oh, you will go to hell. And young as I was, I said, did, did God tell me to pray for the sick? Uh-uh. Do I want to go to hell? Uh-uh. I went back home and told these people from this day, no more prayers for the sick. And I sat in this church for six years. Six years. And every day, the preacher was talking about hell. Oh, you will go to hell. Oh, God is taking you to hell. Every day. After six years, I realized, mm -mm, something is not right here. 
something is not corresponding with what I saw and what I'm reading. There has to be something wrong. So I decided to leave that church. Me and my friend, we decided to go and begin a church. And we began our first church in the nightclub where I used to be the DJ. <laughs> and since then, up to now, we have seen all kinds of miracles. Why? We serve a miracle working God. Now, when I hear people talking about how miracles stopped so many years ago, too late. We have seen it with our own eyes. We have experienced it. And even this day, Jesus is going to do some miracles in your life. Amen? Amen. Now, the purpose of miracles is not the miracle itself. The purpose of a miracle is so that you understand the greatness of the God that you serve, so that you may go out there and serve him. Amen? Amen. A miracle is not an end in itself. Uh-uh. A miracle should connect you into your kingdom purpose. The problem with the gospel that we received all over the world was that we received the gospel of salvation. Come to Jesus, be saved. Come to Jesus, be healed. Come to Jesus. Now, there's nothing wrong with that message, but that is not the complete message. Jesus never came here to save us for the sake of saving us. He came here preaching the gospel of the kingdom. John the Baptist was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The early disciples were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached. And then the end will come. That's why the, the prayer of the Lord's prayer is, thy kingdom come. Thy will be Amen. John chapter number two. John chapter number two. Going to look at the first miracle that Jesus did. Right? We will begin from verse number one. Father, bless the speaking of your word. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. And on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, 
what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three fuckings apiece. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he says unto them, draw out and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, he knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom, says unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Verse number 11. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. If I could start from the last portion of this story, Jesus had disciples and yet they did not believe in him. After they saw the miracle, then they believed in him. What kind of disciple are you? We are very blessed, you and I, because the Bible, Jesus spoke about us that blessed are they that will believe even without seeing. All right? These people were with Jesus. Of course, by now, he has not yet made the team of 12. He has a few, and they are following him. They are not sure. They have not seen anything that proves that he's the Messiah. But, you know, they say, let's just go along and see what is going to become of this guy. And so, before you know it, boom, a miracle happens. They say, is the one. <laughs> they believed. <laughs> but they had to see in order for them to believe. Now, Jesus was not even scheduled to perform this miracle. If you read the story, it is the prompting of Mary that, you know, they have no wine. This story is so beautiful, it depicts the picture of the church today almost in every aspect of life, that the party was happening. People were seated in their beautiful places. Jesus was not even the guest of honor. He was not the chief guest. He's just tagging along with his disciples. And guess what? The Bible says that when they had no wine, only one person was concerned. And who was that? Mary. For the rest of the people, they acted as if everything was okay. They were religious leaders in that service. They did not know what was happening. I'm pretty sure the service would have gone on very well. And everyone would have pretended everything is okay. It is so sad to be part of anything where the wine is not there. 
The preachers were preaching. The singers were singing. The prophets were prophesying. But the wine was over. Wine is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, do you know that it is very possible for us to have church without the Holy Spirit and go on for years? It's very possible to sing all the wonderful songs and the Holy Spirit is not there. It's very possible to preach a wonderful sermon when the Holy Spirit is not there. It's very possible to have a great service when the Holy Spirit is not there. But Mary knew better. They say, mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm. Something is not right. Mm, mm. We can sing about the Holy Spirit, but that does not mean we have the Holy Spirit. We can talk about the Holy Spirit, but that does not mean we have the Holy Spirit. Today, the church sings the truth. But the church does not experience the truth that they sing about. We went to a church somewhere that I'm not going to mention in this country. And I, I asked the pastor, is it okay for me to talk about the Holy Spirit? The lady pastor said, yeah, it's okay. But the name of the church was already scaring to me. You know, the, the kind of church that they invited me to speak in, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. But the lady pastor said, it's okay for you to speak about the Holy Spirit. I said, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will speak about the Holy Spirit. So we began to speak about the Holy Spirit. And there was this old lady on the piano. And uh, she was playing. You could almost think that she's a robot. <laughs> Not talking about you. <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> so we said, I, I told them now, the Holy Spirit is here. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and, uh, and people say, yeah. Started playing something. And before we knew it, we had. She was the first one to come out. And I saw the elders walk out of the service. So I went to the pastor. Are we okay to continue with the service? The elders were holding a meeting on how to stop the service. And the lady pastor was hungry for the Holy Spirit. She wanted something to happen in that service. And something happened. And God touched his people. 
And any time the Holy Spirit is in any place, he's going to mess up everyone that has a religious demon. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you need the Holy Spirit? Yes. Are you sure you want the Holy Spirit? Yes. There is no way you're going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And you still have business as usual. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. One encounter with heaven will change the story of your life forever. Forever. So back to this story. Jesus is invited with his disciples. All right? And while he's there, something happens. Because these weddings lasted for so many days. Now, the wine is over and they have to continue the party. Mary, who is concerned up to now, Jesus is almost 30 years and nothing is happening. All the prophecies that were spoken by the angels, nothing is happening. Many of us here, we have prophetic words spoken about us and nothing is happening. The only way any prophecy spoken about your life can be fulfilled is when you are touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So Mary talks to Jesus. Jesus says, woman, mm -mm. it's not my time. It's not even the hour. But she knows something deep down in her. She has this holy dissatisfaction with what is happening. Anytime God is about to do something in your life or through your life, he gives you this dissatisfaction with the status quo. You refuse to settle for what you just see, you say, surely there must be more than what is happening. Amen. Surely there must be more to this. So she, she is having this, this desire to see more. And because she has done her part, she tells the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's the key. That is the key to the kingdom. Whatever he tells you to do, turn to someone and tell them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Okay? Do you know, do you know how many sermons Christians have listened to? Millions of inspiring words that you have heard. Even now you're hearing. Even tomorrow you will hear more. And you are excited because you have heard so much. The kingdom is not excited by how much you have heard. Until you start to do what you have heard. Right. Amen? Amen? Now, many of you have children. How many parents are here? Start, put up your hands. All right. Now, if you are a parent, right? And uh, you say, uh, you speak to your son, your daughter. And say, uh, I want you to clean your room. Okay? We have a visitor from Uganda. And uh, they are going to come here for a meal. And they may use your bathroom in case of anything. So we don't want them to be. <laughs> so clean your room. All right? 
Then you come to church, and she says, you know, because I have to clean my room, I, I, I cannot go to church. Let me stay at home because it's going to take me a lot of time to clean the room. You say, yeah, for that, you're excused. I will leave you at home, you know, because after church, we are coming with the pastor from Uganda. And then you come back home with the pastor from Uganda, and this lot of yours calls you aside and say, Daddy. Say, yes. The instructions you gave me to clean my room. Uh-huh. I memorized them. <laughs> I so memorized them, I can even recite them for you. <laughs> How are you going to feel? Excited? No. The instructions were to be obeyed. Not memorized. Today, we start our Sunday school kids with memorizing the instructions. And the more memory verses a child has, they always say, <laughs> But the instructions are to be done. Blessed are ye if you do. Don't just be hearers. Be doers of the word. Amen. 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 He tells them whatsoever he tells you, do it. And the Bible says out there, there were these vessels. Vessels that nobody respected. Bible said they were for purification. They were for the bathroom. They were not even vessels that were on the high tables. But those are the vessels that Jesus decided to use. The kingdom of God is not about how eloquent you are. It's not even about how much you know. The kingdom of God is about are you an available vessel? If you are available, that's the secret. He's not looking for smart vessels. The king is looking for available vessels. Say amen. amen. That's why he says that he did not choose the smartest. In Uganda right now, we have preachers who cannot read the Bible. They don't know how to read or write. They are reading churches of thousands. All they need is someone to read for them. And say, right there, that's, that's it. That's what I'm going to talk about. And they will speak mysteries of the kingdom. Why? They are available. Are you available? Are you willing? Will you do whatever he tells you to do? Or are you one of these people who say, here I am, Lord, send our pastor. Huh? If you say here I am, the next word should be send me. The vessels that Jesus used were despised vessels. But what turned them around was the fact that he filled them. Lift up your hands and say, fill me, Lord. Come on, ask him to fill you. 
Amen? He filled them to the brim. And whatever the vessels were full of, that's what they served. That's what they gave out. You cannot give what you don't have. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says when they took this water which had turned into wine, Jesus is still in the business of turning water into wine. Whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, and it could be your marriage, it could be your ministry, it could be anything that you're dealing with, and it looks like this water, we don't even know where they got the water from. Useless as it could have been, Jesus turned it into wine. When Jesus saved me as a DJ, I was not even planning to be in the ministry. I did not have any intentions. I was just doing what I saw. That's it. When we left that church that taught us never to believe in miracles, never to do them, I told my friend, now we need to read the Bible and go do whatever we read. So we started reading the Bible. One day we read the Bible and it says they went around Jericho. So I asked my friend, where is our Jericho? He says, this Catholic church must be our Jericho. We need to go around it. So we went around the Catholic church seven times. We wanted it to collapse. <laughs> now, listen. Then we read about Jesus raising the dead. True story. We went to the hospital looking for the dead. Found this little girl about eight years. We prayed for her. Nothing was happening. I tell my friend, what do we do? You know, Jesus, by the time Jesus was doing this, there were no hospitals. Maybe we came to the wrong place. <laughs> so they take her home. We follow them to the house. We pray for this girl. Nothing is happening. Then my friend says, you know, in the story, Jesus told them to go out. So we asked them to go out. We lock ourselves inside. We prayed. Nothing happened. We did this for almost nine hours. Nothing happened. So, you know, uh, as, a, as a, a, a smart preacher, I wanted to encourage my friend. I told him, I think the girl has no faith. <laughs> so we gave up on her. She... <laughs> But listen to me. From that day, we prayed for almost 100 dead bodies. Nothing happened. My friend told me it is going to happen. We continue to pray. We continue to pray. The first girl that we saw raised from the dead was on our crusade. After praying for more than 100, you're already scared. Nothing is going to happen. So she comes in, and we carry this girl, and we know she's not going to raise. So we pray, you know, a religious, simple prayer. We tell the mother, you take this girl back to the house, cover her in a blanket, something will happen. And so as she's going, something happens. The girl sneezes some cloth of whatever it was out of her nose, and she's alive. The, I see the mother running back to the crusade grounds. Now I realize, oh, oh, she's known our trick. She's, she's not leaving the crusade. I tell the ushers, get her and find a way of confusing her or something. I see I'm on the stage preaching. I see her fighting her way to come to the stage. 
So I called the singers. I said, this is, I'm going to take care of this myself. So I go down, and she tells me, the girl is alive. Oh, the excitement that was there. I told the people now, the anointing to raise the dead is here. Ah. So I took a job in a hospital. I told the hospital boss, you don't have to pay me. Just put me near the mortuary. We've seen four people raised from the dead. We serve a miracle working God. All you need to do is allow him to fill your vessel. And when he fills you, you will serve with what he has filled you. Bible says the servants knew what had happened. The master of the ceremony did not know what was happening. That's why you don't need to waste time with the people that don't know the encounter that you had with heaven. Because anything you try to explain to them, they do not understand. You have had an encounter. They have not. You saw Jesus turn this water into wine and he tells you go and serve it to the rest of the party. And now these people you're serving, they don't even know what's happening. But you know because you had an encounter. And then they said, Jesus, listen, they said he reserved the best for last. Better days for the church are not in the past. Better days for the church are ahead of us. I don't care what the devil is doing. The Bible says where sin abounds more. Grace will abound much more. Jesus is pouring out his spirit on us that at the level of which the enemy is going to operate, that is the same level the church is going to exceed in operation in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So if you're one of those people and you're ready, you know what is going to happen, get ready. Amen? Amen. Just get ready. Something is shifting in the atmosphere. With all the signs that the pastor is speaking about, God is looking for vessels that he can fill. He's looking for vessels that he can use. Why? Because the party is dying. And only filled vessels will bring back life in our families, in our communities, in our schools. You see, you know what is happening in the schools right now? You know what is happening? The things they are teaching children, confusing little children, who don't care about what they are being told. And what is going to counter that? Our own children who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Little children who are filled with the Holy Spirit, they will go and mess up these schools in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey! There was a service happening in one of the places we visited, and this little kid of two, three years saw the pastor praying for people, and people were, boom, being slain in the Holy Spirit. This kid says, oh, this is interesting. So this kid goes on the other end of the line, <laughs> starts praying for people, and everyone that 
this kid laid hands on. Boom! Now, for the kid, he's just praying and having fun. <laughs> so the preacher realized the line was becoming shorter. And so what says, what's not happening? Then he sees this tiny kid laying hands on people and they are receiving the Holy Spirit. He stopped everything that he was doing and the Lord began to speak to him. The next generation I'm going to use is right from these people that nobody expected that I would use them. Think of these confused teachers who are going to look at a child and ask, are you sure you are a boy? Are you sure you are a girl? And if they are talking to our children who are filled with the Holy Spirit, this kid doesn't need to respond to them. They just rabba shakata yaba. Boom! They will say some child somewhere is messed up the whole school, including the police officers. With their big guns, they come and the kid say, Rupasak, receive katerebosa. That's what we need now. We don't need to reason with anyone. We don't need to explain anything. When the day of Pentecost came, the Bible says people from every nation and every tongue say, what is not happening? What is going on? They started mocking. They are drunk. They are this. Uh-uh. Peter said, no. no. This is that. We need to go everywhere and tell people this is that. You cannot say this is that unless there is this. So you have to make the this to happen so that you connect the this to that. Say amen. amen. The guest of honor did not know. Stop explaining yourself to people who are committed to misunderstanding you. Did you hear what I said? Stop. Stop. Just stop. Some of these people are committed to misunderstanding us anyway. They are not going to. So what do we need to do? We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when we have this encounter, our families need to have this encounter. Our children need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for providing all the nice toys to your children, your grandchildren. The biggest gift you can give them is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Make sure they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, when this wine was served, life came back to the party. Life must come back to every environment where we are blessed. When we talk about the kingdom, the kingdom is about territories. The problem here, you guys don't have kingdoms. In Uganda, we have kings. We understand what a kingdom is all about. The bigger the territory of the king, 
the more authority the king has. If you are a king and you have only two sub-counties, you cannot speak to a king who has 20 sub-counties. When the Bible says the kingdoms of men have become the kingdoms of our father, it is because God has handpicked people from all those different territories and turned them into kingdom citizens who are occupying territories for the king. So where does it start in your home? Create an altar of prayer in your house. Let it be an atmosphere that anybody who comes around it will experience something that is totally different. And give up on food a little while. It's called prayer and fasting. That's one of the biggest problems in this country. Most of the countries where so much is happening, people give up on food. They pray and fast. When was the last time you did that? Don't be like those guys. They said, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you believed? They said, what is the Holy Ghost? We've never even had prayer and fasting. It's, it's not changing God. It's preparing yourself as a vessel so that whatever he pours into you is not going to be consumed by the flesh, but it's going to be used to serve kingdom purposes. Amen. 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 As we conclude, I would like to start by this one very important altar call. And I know when we do that here, they ask people to close their eyes. We don't do that in Uganda. The wisest decision you can ever make in life is to receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, it's very important for you to be sure that you're sure you know you gave your life to Jesus. Many people, you have grown in church, but you don't remember whether you actually made the decision. You've been part of church. Your grandmother was in church. Your parents were in church. And you were in church. But if they asked you, when did you make this decision? You can't point to a day. You need to be able to tell on such and such a day, I gave my life to Christ. That's how it begins. You could be in the ministry team and you don't remember the day. Tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to be sure that you're sure you know Jesus Christ is both my Lord and my Savior. And maybe some of you, you gave your life to Christ and so much has messed you up. You're not sure of your relationship. You can recommit your life to Christ today as well. If you're one of those people, you say, I want to be sure that I'm sure. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to recommit. I want you to put up your hand so that we can pray with you. Put up your hand if you're one of those people. Whether you're recommitting or giving your life to Christ for the very first time. Anyone? You want to be sure that you're sure. Lift up your hands. Being in church does not make you a Christian. 
making the decision makes you a Christian. Don't fear. Don't be shy. This is eternity we are talking about. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, I want to be sure that I'm sure. God bless you. Anyone else? Don't be ashamed. This is the wisest decision you can ever make. Eternity is a very long time. Very long. When you do the math, the Bible says before the Lord, one day is like a thousand. A thousand is like one day. In a day, there are only 24 hours. Divide by a thousand, that's about 41 point something. If you live to be 42 years on earth, before the Lord, that's only one hour. You make it to 84, that's only two hours. How could you miss a party that is going to last forever and ever over the pleasures of only two hours? Who would do that? If you want to be sure, I want to give you this opportunity. This is not something you can hope you did or pray you did. You have to be sure that you're sure. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm not trying to, to make you doubt your relationship. I just want you to be sure that you're sure. All right? Let me ask those two people that lifted their hands to come. Come. Let's clap for them. Today is a very, very important day in your lives. Go mark it somewhere on a calendar or somewhere. Today, your life turns around for the good. For the good. Sings my 
If you need prayer, you're sick, you need prayer, I want you to walk and come this side. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, I need my vessel to be filled. I want you to come this side. If you need both, I want you to stand in the middle here. Just walk and come. Shalabaha. Yes, Lord. That God is so healing, healing, feeling, be filled. Decide. And I need all the prayer warriors, the intercessors who minister to people to walk and join me here. My burden Jesus. Ai mukama wangi windowsa kubye watu ndano mukono gwo ndabe munye nyeno kubwatuka Amanyigu gala vika wona Nsinza katonda mu moyo gwange Ngamukulu Ngamukulu Sinza katonda mu moyo gwange ngamukulu ngamukulu Sinza katonda mu moyo gwange Ngamukulu Ngamukulu Sinza katonda mu moyo gwange Ngamukulu Ngamukulu